This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, you may not have noticed, but there is an election for governor rapidly approaching. Just how rapidly? Well, a decision that came out of the Court of Appeals yesterday may uh, give us the answer to that, although it may not. And we've been trying to feature all the candidates for governor, irrespective of party, on this show. So at least when you go to vote, both in the primary and the general election, you have some idea of who these folks are, why they're asking for your vote and which candidates best, uh, you know, represent your values. We are very, very fortunate this morning to be joined by uh, someone who I've been following for many years, ever since his days of doing the Fix Albany pack about 18 years ago, Democratic congressman from Long Island and a little bit of Queens, and currently a Democratic candidate for governor of New York State, the one and only Tom Swazi. Congressman, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hey, Frank, thanks so much for having me on the other side of midnight. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm glad we uh, got you on. I know it's a tough hour, believe me. Um, now, I want to talk to you about some of the issues that you've been campaigning on, but I, I don't think we can avoid the big news out of the last 24 hours, which is this Court of Appeals decision, which uh, has the, the um, them throwing out the congressional maps and the state Senate maps. A lot of Democrats not too happy that this may cause the Republicans to win a few more seats than they otherwise would. What's your reaction to the Court of Appeals decision? Well, this is another failure of the Hochul administration. I've said since the beginning it was gerrymandering. The question is whether or not they followed the rules. And according to the Court of Appeals, they didn't follow the rules. Uh, so this is another mess that the Hochul administration uh, supported. You know, the legislature drew the lines and she signed the legislation to allow it. And uh, between this and the Buffalo Bills deal and the lieutenant governor getting indicted and failure to address the crime problems and on and on and on, this is just a, a failing administration. It's no wonder that a poll came out the other day that says she has only a 36 percent job favorability rating. Mm. Mm. Now, just uh, so folks understand why you decided to get in this race, you had a pretty safe congressional district and uh, had a, a lot of appeal on both sides of the aisle. You probably could have stayed in Congress in the seat that you're in now until the day that you died. Why give up? You're giving up what would have been a safe reelection where you could have been a major player in Washington and advocated for New York on a lot of issues that are important, uh, you know, federal funding and, uh, you know, the SALT deduction, a whole bunch of other things that you've been very vocal on. Why give that up in, in order to embark on this bid for governor, which a lot of people consider to be something of a long shot? Well, it is a long shot. It's a tough race, and it's a great honor and a great responsibility to be a member of the United States Congress, and I enjoy it, and I'm pretty good at it. But I'm just so frustrated with our politics and our discourse these days, and I feel just fighting with each other instead of solving problems. I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about New York State. People are leaving in droves. We have the highest taxes in the United States of America. We see this crime rate is rising, and nobody's doing anything about it. Uh, and also, you know, you mentioned I'm a Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm concerned about my party. Mm. My party is going too far to the left, 
And it's not talking about the things that people care about. People care about crime and taxes. That's the big issues in New York State right now. And corruption, of course. And so I feel that everything I've done in my life has prepared me for this particular job at this particular time. I'm, uh, I'm trained as a lawyer in a CPA. I was the mayor of a small city in my hometown, Glen Cove, where I learned how to run government. I was the county executive of a, of a failing county. I turned it around. One of the biggest counties in the country, bigger than 11 states. And uh, I ran the 12th largest police department in the country, bigger than Detroit or Boston. Uh, had the lowest crime rate in the United States of America for any community over 500,000 people. And now I'm in Congress. And I feel like everything I've done has prepared me for this particular job right now. So I'm risking it all to try and turn things around. I know that uh, you were a supporter of Mayor Eric Adams. Mayor Eric Adams was very laudatory uh, towards you and your record, your knowledge of government. In fact, he said publicly that he was hoping that you would become a deputy mayor. How seriously did you uh, did you take that offer from Mayor Adams? Clearly, New York City is in need of leadership now just as much as New York State is. And we've got a lot of problems. The crime rate has actually gone up over the course of the last four and a half months. And it had already gone up the previous year and the previous year. Did you seriously consider becoming a deputy mayor? You know, I was very flattered by the offer, offer from the mayor, but I said to him, uh, after thinking about it, talking about it with my family, uh, I can do a lot more to help him as governor of New York State and to help New York City. And the problems in, in New York City with crime especially are because of the state laws uh, that the governor refuses to change and the state legislature refuses to change. Uh, so I can do a lot more to help Eric Adams. I can do a lot more to help the people of New York City uh, as governor of New York State. So I declined his offer politely. Uh, I, I still support him uh, 100%. Uh, but I, I'm going to I'm going to try and become the governor of New York State and help turn around New York City and the rest of the state. Um, I want to talk about crime and I want to talk about the cost of living. Those are the two issues that you've been uh, that you've been focused on. But I have to also get your take on the indictment of the lieutenant governor, Brian Benjamin. This came as a surprise to exactly no one that occasionally reads the newspaper or knows how to operate Google. I think even Stevie Wonder could see uh, that Brian (laughs) Benjamin was in legal trouble. Um, In your view, I'm guessing you think this reflects poorly on the leadership and the judgment of Governor Hochul. Well, it's a complete lack of judgment. It shows her inexperience, quite frankly. I mean, she's been in government for a long time, but she never ran a big operation. She was a lieutenant governor. She served in Congress for less than two years. Uh, She was a county clerk, uh, and she was a town councilwoman. She was never the chief executive. And listen, you've got to do your 10,000 hours to run a big operation like New York State. It's a $220 billion operation. And New York State, you know, all politics, we had a lot of times— you have the chief executives, mayors, governors, president, who've never run anything before. They don't know how to run a large operation. One unique thing that I bring to this job, trained as a lawyer, trained as a CPA, mayor of a small city, county executive of a big county, uh, now in Congress, I know how to make things work in government. I know how to hold people accountable. I know how to set a goal, set vision, uh, and try and build a team to accomplish that goal. It's easy to make speeches and make pronouncements and pass legislation. Getting things done in government requires a skill set. I believe I've got that skill set, and she simply doesn't. I don't think... Go ahead. The lieutenant governor, I mean, like you said, everybody knew this guy had ethical problems surrounding him. Everybody, it was announced... The day he was was inaugurated, uh, people talked about his scandals. Uh, They haunted him for a while. 
November it came out that he hadn't filled out his vetting forms properly. He never admitted that he was subpoenaed by the federal government. And she doubled down on him. Then she tripled down on him uh, even after they said that they were uh, the grand jury was speaking to him. And uh, it's really just it's really just the same old story in New York State. We've lost governors, attorney general, controller, Skello, Silver, Bruno. It's it's just it's 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 terrible. I don't think anybody, wherever they fall on the political spectrum, would dispute that we've got a corruption problem in New York. And the cost of that corruption is leading to higher taxes, wasteful spending, a whole bunch of other things. As part Absolutely. of as, as part of that, yesterday, you unveiled a, an ethics reform proposal. Give us the highlights. What are the key uh, the key aspects of your ethics reform proposal? Well, why do you need an ethics reform proposal? I mean, we just saw this Buffalo Bills deal mm. that she slipped in to the budget four days before the budget was due, no public hearings, the most lucrative taxpayer giveaway in the history of the NFL, uh, and not even a single person has has had a public hearing on it. I mean, I said, I said, listen, and you know, Brian Benjamin and all these other things, on and on. So I laid out six points along with my running mate, Diana Reyna. Diana Reyna was a former uh, Brooklyn City Councilwoman, deputy borough president to Eric Adams uh, for four years. Uh, if she's elected, she'll be the first Latina elected statewide in the history of New York State. So we laid out six proposals. Number one, anything that's not in the executive's budget, the governor's budget, or the state assembly's budget, or the Senate's budget, that's for $10 million or more, has to go through a public hearing. Mm. Pretty straightforward stuff. It was not only the Buffalo Bills. To get a bunch of votes, she put in another $350 million uh, for the Long Island uh, Long Island legislators. No line items. No vetting, no discussion. Just, oh, let's put another $350 million in. So you want to do something like that, you have to have a public hearing. Number two, lower the contribution limits to the same as it is at the federal level. $2,900 for the primary, $2,900 only individuals, no corporations. You know what it is in New York State right now? People don't realize. It's almost $70,000 between the primary and the general. And the governor has gotten more $70,000 checks from people doing business with the state lobbyists, people trying to get a cannabis license, people who have a nursing home and are regulated by the state, developers trying to do a development to get support from the state. That's why she's raised so much money, all from people doing business with the state. Nobody who says, I'm inspired by the governor's vision. I'm inspired by the Buffalo Bills deal. I'm inspired by Brian Benjamin getting indicted. I'm inspired by the fact she hasn't done a thing about addressing crime. No, it's all people doing business with the state. Third, that we should do quarterly reports uh, for financial disclosure. The last disclosure was in early January. The next one's not going to be until the end of May. Uh, fourth, we have to make sure that uh, uh, the government of New York uh, is something that is fair and that people can look at. Uh, so I go on and on in these proposals, and uh, you know, it's just it's time we wake up to the reality that you shouldn't be able to use taxpayer money to do but it are, in effect, campaign commercials right before the election, which is another one of our. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. People are just tuning in. We're talking with Congressman Tom Suozzi. He's a Democratic candidate for governor in the primary, which is currently scheduled for late June. Who knows what effect the uh, Court of Appeals decision may have on pushing all the primaries back, or perhaps it'll just be the congressional and the state Senate primary that gets pushed back. You've made crime your biggest issue in this campaign. Your your commercials focus on crime. Every interview that you do, you look for an opportunity to speak about crime. Polling reflects that this is not just a problem for Republicans, Democrats, Republicans, independents, everybody views crime in New York State, New York City as a big problem. How do you fix it as governor? And if the legislature remains recalcitrant and doesn't want to do things like tweak the bail reform laws, how can you get around a legislature that may not be in line with what you want to do? Well, I've laid out a 15-point crime intervention and prevention plan. Intervention, the things we need to do right now to make people feel safe, and prevention, things we need to do for the long term to address the systemic problems in our society, where 75 percent of the people in jail have a drug, alcohol or mental health issue. Fifty percent of the people at Rikers Island have a learning disability. These are education issues. These are community issues. Uh, I have plans to address those issues. But intervention right now, let's give the mayor of New York City what he wants. Let's give the police commissioner what she wants. Let's give the chief judge what they want. Let's give the, the district attorneys what they want. Let's give judges the discretion to consider dangerousness of every defendant that comes before them. Every other state in the United States of America, 49 other states, and the federal government all have a dangerousness standard. New York's the only place that doesn't have that. I mean, that's just, that's just straightforward common sense. Uh, let's, let's address the problems that have been created from this raise the age legislation, where now gang members have an incentive to give 16- and 17-year-olds firearms and they say, listen, you don't have to worry. You're not going to get you're not going to get busted. Don't worry about it. And we've seen a dramatic increase in young people carrying guns. Uh, we have to address the, the changes in the discovery law that are resulting in a bunch of these cases getting dismissed because the police and the district attorneys can't possibly comp- comply with these onerous timelines. They don't have the resources uh, to do that. So uh, it goes on and on what we need to do with guns uh, by setting up a uh, interstate commission, uh, doing shot spotters, doing gun buyback pro- programs. There's so many things that we need to do to try and address uh, the crime problem that we have in the state of New York. Uh, I know what I'm doing. She simply has ignored the problem. But what if the legislature won't act? I mean, you could try and get your reforms in through the budget, some through executive order. Uh, but w- what if the legislature doesn't want to move? Well, you said earlier on that when I was uh, county executive, I started a thing called FixAlbany.com. And the idea is, is that if I get elected governor, uh, people are going to – it's going to be a message sent that crime is the number one issue that we have to face because that's the number one issue in my campaign. But then I'll go out and I'll build a, a consensus among the public. Mm-hmm. I'll develop a comprehensive plan with input from the mayors, from the police commissioners, from the judiciary, from the corrections officials – from the probation and parole, from the mental health experts, from the academics. I'll bring everybody in. I'll bring the legislators in. I'll bring the committees of jurisdiction. I'll bring every, I've done this throughout my career of building a consensus by putting together all the players in a room and saying, listen, we all want the same thing. Nobody's for crime. Let's talk about all of our differences. Let's find a common sense way to move forward that we can all agree upon. Then I'll sell that plan to the public. 
then I'll bring it to the legislature and say, come on, listen, the public's with me. It's a comprehensive plan. We've got all the support. Let's do this. And then I'll say, hey, listen, you want to negotiate? Okay, you need to have something done in your in your district. Let's work on that. I'll try and cajole you and, and make a deal with you. If that doesn't work, I'll run people against you. I'll go against you. That's what I did when I did FixAlbany.com. I defeated a Democrat in the Assembly and a Republican in the State Senate until Joe Bruno and Shelley Silver started to listen to me. And I became the president of the New York State County Executives Association, and I got a Medicaid cap. I got them to listen to what the county executives were looking for. So I know what it takes to get things done in politics. I've been doing it a long time. I'll build a plan. I'll get the public on my side. I'll try and persuade the legislature. I'll try and cajole them. I'll try and make a deal with them. If that doesn't work, let's go to battle. You um, you indicated early on when Alvin Bragg put out his now controversial memo that uh, you would not be at all tolerant of that kind of behavior from district attorneys in a state with a governor, Tom Suozzi. As of now, you know, it looks like Alvin Bragg has backed off some of the more controversial aspects of that non-enforcement memo. If you were to be elected governor in November, take office in January, would you relieve Alvin Bragg as DA or do you think he's backed off enough of those controversial proposals that he should remain in power? Well, I think he's backed off enough. Uh, I would bring the district attorneys together as the governor and say, listen, we got to work as a team. And the job of the district attorneys is to enforce the law. It's not, it's not your job to make the law. You want to make the law, run for state legislature, run for the state Senate or the state assembly if you want to change the law. But the law says that you prosecute people for resisting arrest. The law says that you prosecute people for a felony for armed robbery, regardless of whether or not they used a gun or regardless of whether or not someone got hurt. That's a felony. So it's not up to the district attorney to decide they're not going to prosecute certain crimes. It's their job to enforce the law. Now, when they don't have a good case, they don't have to enforce those cases. That's their discretion. But their job is to enforce the law. You want to change the law, run for state legislature. So, no, I would not remove him. I think he's changed his, his tune. Uh, admirably so. I've actually spoken to him since then. I said, listen, I'm not against you as a person. I, I know you're a smart person. I know you're new to politics. you got a very important job. Let's, let's figure out how we can work together to accomplish our common goals, which is to make sure people are safe and to make sure that there's justice as well. I know that there's systemic problems where a lot of black and brown people were treated very unfairly over the course of the, uh, our lifetimes. Let's address those issues. But in the meanwhile, let's enforce the law. You talked about how one of the factors that led to your decision to run for governor was a concern about the future of the Democratic Party. You know, I'm listening to you focus on some of the same issues that the Republican candidates for governor talked to me about. Crime, the cost of living, corruption in Albany, corruption in the Hochul administration. There's a perception, rightly or wrongly, that the Democratic Party, particularly the Democratic primary electorate, has moved so far to the left that maybe be a moderate Democrat like a Tom Swazi can no longer win in a state like New York. Are there enough Swazi Democrats left to give you the nomination for governor? What do you think? My polling shows very clearly that my message is resonating with enough people for me to win this election. The challenge for me is to make sure people vote and make sure I raise enough money so I can get my message out there because not everybody knows my message, what it is. So I've got to do radio shows in the middle of the night. Sure. I've got to raise the money. I've got to do telephone town halls. I've got to travel the state. I've got to go from morning 
to noon to late at night. Uh, and that's what I'm doing. But I find that people are, are, are coming around to my message. Uh, so, listen, I'm a Democrat. I've always been a Democrat. I'm not ashamed of being a Democrat. I'm proud to be a Democrat. Uh, I've gotten all kinds of awards for my work on the environment, on immigration, on uh, human rights, on uh, labor, on uh, a whole bunch of issues. But my party is not talking about the things that people care about. And right now, Democrats, independents, Republicans in New York State are concerned about crime, taxes, affordability, and corruption. That's Every, what they want us to address. Everything, uh, as I've said publicly and to you privately, I've been an admirer of yours since those uh, Fix Albany days. And I said to you at the time that you were running for governor in 06 that, uh, you know, I wish that there was a way for me to vote for you in the general election. Now, I'm listening to you on gerrymandering. I agree with every word you said. Crime, completely agree. Cost of living, taxes, the Buffalo Bills boondoggle, ethics reform, uh, the Albany culture of corruption in general. Right now, there's uh, independent nominating petitions going on. Why should voters like me, who happen to be not Democrats be the denied the opportunity to vote for Tom Swazi. Would you consider circulating the signatures necessary so that all New Yorkers can vote for you in November? You know, it's just not a practical reality. It would be an enormous expense. I can't afford to spend the money and I can't. It would hurt me in my efforts to win the Democratic nomination. So I'm running as a Democrat in the Democratic primary. Uh, I'm running as a common sense Democrat. I intend to win the primary and I'm going to give you an opportunity to vote for me in the general when I'm on the ballot. And, so, uh, and go you're going to get to debate uh, Governor Hochul and Jamani Williams at least twice, right? I'm hoping it'll be at least six times, because if I get a chance to debate her, uh, people are going to see there's a clear choice uh, between me, who's a proven executive, common sense Democrat, who's focused on crime and taxes and corruption and affordability and troubled schools, and Governor Hochul, who's just failing in the job that she's doing. Uh, two quick things that your detractors have brought up, uh, not only on this program, but elsewhere that I want to give you an opportunity to address. The House Ethics Committee announced that uh, it was probing uh, your finances related to uh, your reporting of stock investments. Should that give New Yorkers any pause that maybe you're not the uh, ethics reformer that, uh, that you would like to be seen as in the campaign? I've been in public life off and on for almost 30 years. I've never had a whiff of scandal related to anything I've done. Uh, this ethics thing is that I filed all of my annual reports. I disclosed every transaction that my brokers did. My brokers have complete discretion. I have no say whatsoever over what they buy and sell. Uh, but I didn't do the periodic disclosures. I didn't think I was required to do the periodic disclosures because of the fact that I have my brokers have complete discretion. After five years of my accountant talking to the Committee on Ethics and reviewing my annual disclosures every year before I submitted them, they said, oh, no, you're supposed to be doing periodic disclosures as well. I said, well, I don't think we're supposed to because we, uh, I don't have any discretion. It's all my broker's discretion. No, you have to do it anyway. So I said, okay, we're going to do it. And we've done it. We've complied. Uh, and we're doing it going on a going forward basis as well as all the, all the past years. Uh, so it's just the same thing. It's been going on for a while. It's 
is getting more attention now because Kathy Hochul is starting to get worried about my race. Uh, talking with Tom Swazi, Democratic candidate for governor. Do, do you know at this point whether the primary for governor will be June 28th or if it'll be pushed back to August? I'm not 100 percent certain, but I'm reasonably sure that the a governor's primary will still be on June 28th. I see. Well, it would make sense. Those districts aren't affected. Uh, the other thing that a number of our listeners uh, have brought up because uh, our colleagues in the morning have been talking about it is you were on uh, with Bernie and Sid and you seem to say that you understood the rationale behind Florida passing the so-called don't say gay bill. And then uh, those guys say that in the coming days after the controversy surrounding it, you backed off that position a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time about it because you're not running for governor of Florida. But just so people know where you are on this, what is your take on Florida's law restricting discussion of sexual identity in schools? So I don't know if it was Bernie or Sid that asked me, but they asked me, they said, do you think we should be teaching kids in kindergarten and first grade about sex and genitalia? I said, no, I don't think we should. I think it's a very reasonable law to not do that. Uh, when I said that, there was a firestorm because people said, you know, and I made it clear on that same show. I said, listen, I've always supported LGBTQ rights. Uh, I've got a 100 percent rating from the human rights campaign. Uh, you know, I want to treat people like human beings and treat them fairly and equally. Uh, there was a firestorm after that show. I said, listen. That law is much more than that. You can't treat, teach sex education in kindergarten and first grade anyway in Florida. Was, you, you can't teach sex education until fifth grade, and you can't teach that in most states. The, the problem with the law from many people from the LGBTQ community and, and others, and my, myself included, is that if a kid comes into class and they've got two mommies or two daddies and they're getting bullied uh, by the other kids, the teacher can't try and talk about why it's okay to have two mommies or two daddies. And so for people who don't trust teachers, they say, oh, I don't want you to indoctrinate my, indoctrinate my kids. For people who do trust teachers, they say, listen, I would like the teacher to try and stop the kid from being bullied. bullied. And, you know, they're not going to talk about sex education in kindergarten or first grade. So I made it very clear. I don't support the law. I don't support what DeSantis is trying to do uh, in dividing people. Uh, and I still think it's reasonable that you not teach kids in kindergarten and first grade about sex education and about genitalia. So, uh, you know, I was very inartful in the way I described it when I was on the show. Finally, I am uh, now a, a father, albeit of a five-month-old, and, and I think a lot of fathers of sons think that once their son becomes a professional baseball player, they immediately go into the Fatherhood <laughs> Hall of Fame. The last time I saw you was at the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones game uh, last season. Your son <laughs> is actually playing for the Brooklyn Cyclones. What's it like to yep. have a son that's a professional baseball player? It's got to be it's the coolest incredible thing in the world. pressure for him and for me <laughs> and for his mother. I mean, it's just it's incredible pressure. We're so proud of him. He's been through so much, so many ups and downs. Uh, it's an amazing accomplishment, but it's a lot of pressure. But, you know, we love all our kids. They're all great. Uh, but this is a, a real accomplishment on his part. We're very proud of him. Uh, Congressman, I appreciate you taking the time at such an odd hour. Best of luck to you. We'll be checking in with you a great deal for the next two months and uh, probably for the next six and a half months. Thanks so much. Thank you, Frank. You you really you really got a good way about you and you. You really know your stuff. Good job. Whenever you feel uh, a little insomnia coming on, come in studio and we'll take some calls from folks as well.
Thank you, my friend. Good luck with that five-month-old. Thank you very much. If you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Tom Swazi, give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. We'll do 15 seconds of fame coming up. Be heard on any subject. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.